Good day to our listeners here at the Middle Podcast. My name is Jim Nelson, and again, I will be your host for the next 15 minutes or so as we get together and talk through the Word of God. This production is a digital ministry of Living Word Church in Oak Harbor, Washington. And speaking of Oak Harbor, Washington, our local jet community is out flying today. I'm taping this from my bedroom, so there may be a little bit of jet noise in the background. I'm hopeful it will not be a distraction. I don't think it will be. But let's move on. We have a couple of goals here at the Middle Podcast that I'd just like to review at the beginning of each episode to remind our listeners, and quite honestly myself, probably more than anything else, right, of why this podcast exists. My first goal is to connect our church family back to the previous Sunday sermon and take 15 minutes or so to rekindle the story that was covered and the applications that drew, or as in this case, a guest speaker brought up, all with the aim of plopping those down in the middle of our busy and complex week. And if you're anything like me, I'm regularly convicted as I sit in the sanctuary, but it doesn't take too much time before that view begins to fade away as work and schedule, family, calendar, all that kind of stuff, you name it. It crowds it to the recesses of my memory during the week. Our second goal is just to teach and reach a bigger audience, a selection of listeners around this country and around the globe who are just excited to commit some time in their week to hear more of living under the authority and generosity and wisdom of Jesus Christ. We want to offer discipleship through this podcast for sure, but we also want someone who is seeking, someone who may be asking questions, and someone who does not know Christ to be able to hear the good news of God's kingdom through Jesus. Basically, we want to evangelize, we want to declare, we want to herald God's already here and coming kingdom. So I'm thankful you are listening from wherever and whatever of those camps you come from. I'm hopeful if you like these podcasts and if they are useful for you in your walk with Christ, I just ask that you let others know about it, how you stumbled on us or give them a link or something like that. Thank you for considering that. Now let's get into the business of our program. If you've been with us since the beginning of September, we've approached our weekly get-together through parallel verses. If you're a new listener, then you might be wondering, what in the heck is that? And I'm glad you asked, because our scripture, so the Old Testament and the New Testament, right, are a very complex and intricate collection of writings. And there are similar themes or similar words or settings that are repeated a lot throughout the scriptures, and we're talking through some of those parallels throughout this fall, specifically when Jesus used those parallels as part of his teachings. Put yourselves in the shoes of a first century follower of Jesus. You come from a devout Jewish family. You've been raised in the traditions and the tenets of this faith all of your life, and this new teacher is now on the scene. He's captured your attention with not only his words, but also his actions, And at the same time, he also says a lot of confusing and seemingly backwards or upside down stuff, right? And then he alludes to some Old Testament story or parable, and you you know this stuff. This is what you've grown up with your whole life, so that kind of catches your attention. Now, are all of your questions answered? No, but maybe Jesus is trying to show you a picture of his new covenant faith embedded in the history of your people's long-time faith, something most people are missing in the modern first century because of the culture, but it's still true of God and his kingdom. That's the kind of approach we are taking as we try to follow Living Word's previous weekend service and hopefully build it out a bit more 
throughout our week. Sound fair? Let's get going. We'll start out in 1 John, and we'll, then we'll go on this amazing journey this week, a couple of stops backwards through our Bible, and then hopefully, with, if we have enough time, a finish with a flash forward, all in 15 minutes or less. Pastor John Acutero opened our service this weekend with a reading of Scripture, and he centered it in 1 John chapter 3. So if you have a Bible with you, I'd encourage you to read through with me. It'll go quick, but because I listen to podcasts a lot, and I listen to them when I run and when I drive, I'll read it out for the benefit of everyone's safety, because I care. And it's short, so just a couple of verses. Here's what caught my parallel-focused attention this week. Verse 11 from 1 John chapter 3. Verse 11 says this, For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Uh, John re-emphasizes that same commandment toward the end of the chapter. Verse 23, he says this, And this is his commandment, this is Jesus' commandment, that we believe in the name of the Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he has commanded us. All right, that's it. Two small Almost identical verses, but if you're like me, ask, where have I heard that before? I had two thoughts of some context that we could go towards to lend us some depth to our faith this week. One that we have referenced a number of times in various past episodes of the Middle Podcast, and we'll get to that, but I'll address my initial response first, because I think this might be the first time that we've talked about it here together. My first thought or or parallel that came to mind was of Jesus' teaching about the evidence of our faith and John's idea of this new commandment. Check this out. It comes to us from the Gospel of John, so the same author as the letter that we're reading through. And it's telling the story of what Jesus did just a day before his upcoming death. He washes the disciples' feet before the Passover feast, and as the meal gets started, he tells them that he will be betrayed by one of them his closest followers who are around the table there. There is some back and forth as to who it may be. He passes a piece of bread to Judas, has a short conversation with his betrayer, and Judas leaves. Now, starting in verse 31, it says this, When Judas was gone, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself and will glorify him at once. In other words, soon, my children, talking to the disciples, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. But a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Okay, there it is. There's our parallel to 1 John, right? A new command to love one another. And what's so cool about this command, Jesus reveals that somehow this love for one another is a sign that they are followers of Christ, is a sign to others that they are followers of Christ. In other words, they do love or they live love in a way that can communicate to the world what it is like to live and love under the authority of Jesus in this new kingdom. 
Now, just think about our cultural context today. How much love is going on that communicates a new way of living and a hope for our communities and nations? Not much, right? Seems like a whole lot of bitterness, a ton of accusations, much more talking than listening. And I know you get the picture because we're all living within these extremes. Even in the church, how much divisiveness have we invited to be within our own places? To, we've invited it within our own families of faith at the cost of unity in the ways of Jesus. How far are we going to go with this mess? So here's a quick takeaway. Google one another's Bible. Read through the list and look up the references. This is what Jesus and the apostles after him, what they taught about living in Jesus's upside-down countercultural kingdom, the one another. So again, Google one another's Bible. I think this approach, combined with a serious take on the fruits of the Spirit, because you'll see a lot of similarities, right? That combination would really go a long way to produce a life lived as a testimony of Jesus Christ's authority. I'm hopeful you will do that some this week. I've got it on my to-do list during my layovers over the course of the next couple days. Kind of look at the one another's and read up through the fruits of the Spirit and just pray over them. Can I live in a way that those things come out of me as opposed to the other things? But we've got to move on. I mentioned a second parallel that came to mind, and I referenced this last week as a particularly personal parallel for myself and my son, Joshua. It's Jesus's greatest commandment answer. Do you remember that one? Covered it really quick last week, but it comes from Matthew 22. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? This religious expert asked. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, and with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law, all of the prophets, all of the, in other words, all the Old Testament commandments hang on these two commands. Jesus' twofold but equal response is actually two parallels back to the Jewish scriptures. The second one references back to Leviticus 19.18. And since we've already talked about our relationships with others a little bit today, our neighbors, let's spend the rest of our time looking at the first. So listen to Deuteronomy chapter 6, 4 through 5. It goes like this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength. Now, do you hear the parallels? Jesus' response to the question is almost a direct quote from a speech that Moses was giving to the second generation of Israelites here in Deuteronomy, who had been wandering through the desert, and now we're on the last days before entering the Promised Land. It became known as the Shema and became such an important part of Jewish life and Jewish worship that these words were prayed twice a day by the devout, and they were to wear its words on the fringes of their prayer clothes to be, be reminded of, of it throughout the day. And these prayer cloths would cover their foreheads and their hands. Very important. A couple of years ago, I really fell in love with this prayer. It teaches us 
that love is vitally important to our relationship with God because He loved us so much, we are to love Him in every part of our life experience, our hearts, our physical existence, our minds and wisdom. It's an action word. Love does something. It's not just an emotion or a thought process, but it's an outward expression of our love for God directed towards others. Why is it personal? I teach it to my 10-year-old son, Joshua, and we recite it every night at the conclusion of our bedtime prayers. I'm hopeful he'll remember as he matures that just like the Israelites, as they were crossing over the Jordan River or through the Jordan River and to the Promised Land, that they were entering a land of many gods. And just like them, he is living and growing up in a world with many gods and idols. They're not necessarily golden statues anymore, but the idols of power and greed and immorality and exalting of the self. But we have one true God, and love and obedience towards Him should produce humility and gratitude and a desire to love and to serve others. And as I talk to Joshua about these words that are on the head and the handcloths of the Israelites, Certainly the words covering their heads reminded them that their belief in this one true God is not just a fleeting thought during the day, right? Not just a fleeting thought even a couple of times during the day, but a belief that should shape each and every thought and decision they make. And hanging those same words around their hands emphasize that this belief is meant to be embodied, not just a thought process, but meant to be embodied. It's meant to influence our actions and work as we live life under the guidance of the one true God. Alrighty, thank you for listening. I didn't have time for the flip to the future. I might cover that in a future episode. We'll, We'll see how that turns out. But thank you for listening. It's good to have you and see you again next week. God bless.